0: church good morning great little song there they sang there right before I got to come out a little emotional watching that Uh, it is a great day it's Mother's Day and I want to go just a little step further uh, and just maybe take a moment here if you we do this uh, usually every Mother's Day and so if you are a mama and you're in the house with us today would you stand so we can just cheer you on and say thank you mamas yeah all over the room all over the room So great. Thank you so much. We're glad you're here. And of course, at the end of our time, we've got some things happening in the hallway. Some of you have already been partaking in that, but you'll have all those things waiting here in just a moment. I'm looking forward to uh, sharing with you as well. I think something in our time together right now that'll be a helper for mamas and and really anybody in the room. Before I do that, though, I want to uh, remind you or let you know about something that is going on in our church going on in our church next week in the cafe which is right over here uh, to my right there's a, um, a gathering we do every quarter it's called new steps and this is for people who are ready to grow in their faith, maybe refresh in their faith take some new steps in their faith every quarter we offer one of these and you can take, you can go from 101 and then to 201 and then 301 and 401. If you've never been and you say, yeah, I want to grow in my faith, I want to learn some of the fundamentals of Christianity, uh, maybe be refreshed, but also learn about our church. You're new to our church. You want to learn more about what our church is trying to accomplish in our community, join us. Be a part of New Steps 101 taking place next week. we got kids care, so you can bring everybody and sit in and listen to this time of learning and growing together. And after that, again, you can move on to the next step, 201 and so forth so on. Now, uh, that is next week. You don't have to sign up, just show up. But today I want to share with you something. Again, I think, yes, mamas will be able to relate to what I'm talking about. But because we're starting a new series, this is really a series that's going to be for everybody And it is called Don't Stop Breathing, and it is kind of like, what do we do when we feel like we're running on empty? And many years ago in my life, I I learned uh, just exactly how you can get on empty really quick, and it happened, though not in maybe the spiritual, emotional realm, it happened in this moment where I had a friend who asked if I could help him move. He lived kind of in the middle of the state, very rural area. And so I went to somebody else I knew and I borrowed a truck and a trailer. And just a reminder, you know, it's one of the burdens, I guess, of owning a truck or a trailer. Everybody wants to borrow from you, you know, can I borrow your truck? But So I borrowed my friend's truck and we get that, the trailer, and and I head on out about three quarters of tank and the gas thing and, and, and I'm making my way. It's a pretty easy shot. I think I burned maybe only a little over a quarter of a tank of ca- gas getting there and so there's no problem. I'm like, yeah, well, here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll load up everything and I'll take it back over into town and then you know I'll get some gas and return the truck to to my friend. Well, as it turns out, and some of you know this already and you know this very instinctively, I didn't know this, I'm not the smartest guy, and so I just, I didn't, I didn't know this was going to happen, but once we filled up the truck and the trailer and started making our way back into town, I learned something very key that when you have a heavy load, you can burn gas real quick. Did you know that? Okay, I think some of you knew that. I was learning right in the moment, and I'm watching the, you know the gas tank burn quick, it's moving, Fast and we're in kind of a rural setting now. I'm trying to get from one town to the next. One, it's late at night, one gas station's closed, and I'm like begging to make it so that we can get filled back up because I didn't know how quickly this would happen. Kind of sputtered into a gas station, got some gas, and uh, made my way out of there. But that principle of that the more you're carrying, the quicker the gas burns is so applicable to our life. You know this, right? Like, in life, the greater the load you're carrying around, the emptier you can get fast. Like, it can happen, it can happen really quick. And I I share that with you because that is the topic of our time together today. I put this in your notes. Overload is just simply this. The heavier the load that you're carrying, faster you run out of gas. And there are people here right now amongst us, you are you would say, and, and very likely some mamas, and, but not just mamas, anybody would say, yeah, I feel a little bit empty in life. I feel like, you know what, there's, there's not much left in the tank. And it's possible for some of you, you've been feeling this way for quite a while. Some of you are running on empty, running out of gas, running out of air, wondering when this sort of spinning of life is going to stop. You're overloaded maybe physically, emotionally, relationally. You're overloaded and exhausted with work, school, kids, health issues, finances, and you wonder where in the world is the hope to move past kind of this place that I'm in in life. And today, I want to share that with you. I got a letter, though, about this uh, not long ago, and here's what the person said to me. They said, Pastor Gary, this woman said, I can't remember the last time I felt refreshed and rested. My life has been on overload for years, there's too many expectations, too many responsibilities, too many activities, too many decisions. It all seems like it just has to be done immediately. I often feel like I'm putting my finger in the holes of a dam, but I don't have enough fingers to stop all the leaks. I'm tired of always rushing to the next activity, even after a great night's sleep, I still feel drained and fatigued in the morning. When I look around, I see this feeling. It seems like it's not unique to me. Everybody seems to be overloaded going through this. Uh, Nobody has any margin in their life. Everybody's trying to do so much. We don't have time to do the things that are most important because every moment is packed. She says, this is madness. It cannot be God's will for our lives. I want to learn how to rest and relax in God's plan, not just for my own health, but because I can see how my kids are learning the same crazy lifestyle. I love how she has an understanding that we can easily just pass this on to the next generation. It's really true, isn't it? If our kids spend a lot of time watching our crazy lifestyle, uh, they'll start living it themselves. That's true, isn't it? And so I think as we go through these next few weeks together... I think we have to be thinking about not just ourselves, and, and, I, and yes, I, I'm sharing this for you, but, but also kind of the impression we're leaving on our children. If there was a guy in the Bible that understood exhaustion, emptiness, overload, it would have to be a guy by the name of Job. Here's what he says in Job chapter six. It, it says in, in verse two, he says, "'If my misery could be weighed, "'and if you could pile the whole bitter load on the scales, "'it would be heavier than all the sand of the sea, Is it any wonder I'm screaming like a caged cat? There's somebody here that you feel so weighed down, you you don't know how you're going to advance. How do we get out of this? There is hope. I'm glad you came to church today because I'm gonna share that with you. And in the scriptures, here's the facts. Jesus gives us in three verses, three principles that are the centerpiece for how you and I can begin begin to get things back on track in in our lives, to begin to bring restoration to our empty souls. And so I'm gonna read this text. Some of you will know this text very well. I'm gonna read a translation to kind of kick this off of this text that I think will be, uh, you know, a a little bit better in explaining what Jesus is trying to reveal to us. But in Matthew 11, in verse 28, 28, here's what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all of you who are tired, Again, some of you know this text. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden. You know this text from sounding a little bit different. But it says, come to me, all of you who are tired and carrying heavy loads. And Jesus says, if you come to me, he says, I'm going to give you more to do. Yeah, a whole pile of things. No, that's not what it says. He says, if you come to me, I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke Upon you, learn from me because I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. For the yoke I will give you is easy, and the load I will put on you is light. I see three verbs in that text that point you and I to some great answers to getting on track. These verbs I put down in my notes come and take and learn, and I wanna center my talk with you today around those three verbs, three verses, three principles to get the ball rolling in the right direction, start beginning to have this tank filled in your life, and so the first one I put in your notes, the first step we've got to decide to take on this journey of refreshment, it's pretty simple. If you wanna write this down in your notes, the little card you got when you came in, uh, this is the first thing I put there. You've gotta decide to come to Jesus. You've heard of a come to Jesus meeting, right? I'm not just talking about a one time event though, here. I'm talking about making regular decisions consistently over and over daily in your life to come to Jesus, having consistent encounters with Him. And the Bible's gonna tell us that this is key to beginning this journey of refreshment. Jesus says, Come to me for rest for your soul, talk about the soul in just just a little bit, but we go to Jesus for all kinds of things, and some of you can relate to this. Some of you go to Jesus for, you know, you're, you're going through a struggle just with maybe a relational struggle. Maybe you want some sort of healing. Maybe you're upset. Maybe you got a problem. Maybe you're looking for advice from God. Of course, you come to Jesus for eternal life. You're looking for encouragement or strengthening in some area, but very few people in our culture today christians are spending regular time coming to jesus for soul restoration we go to him for all these other things but we can't forget about the critical nature of coming to god for soul restoration and see here's the thing uh, you you are, are not going to find anywhere on the planet not through seminars conferences self-help books and podcasts none of it can provide refreshment for your soul. There's only one source for that, and that's our Heavenly Father. What Jesus is reminding you and I of this is like the soul refreshment situation or the lack of refreshment, it runs in the background of everything. Some of the greatest fatigue, I think some of you know this, is not found in like muscle exertion. If you've lived in life long enough, you know that some of the greatest fatigue happens when your soul is empty. When you're tired, when you're exhausted from emotional difficulty, when it feels like like anxiety is at its highest and fear, guilt, resentment, thinking about things over and over in your mind, it can be so exhausting at the end of the day and you wanna know why people feel empty. 'Cause they're trying to accomplish some sort of refreshment in life, but they're not going to the one place that God wants us to always know. He is there to give us this soul refreshment. We try to solve this, you know, by by going to a movie watching a movie. We try to solve this by, you know, going to dinner. Let's go out to dinner. It's been a it's been a hectic day. I feel like life's really chaotic. We try to, you know, have a hobby or a sport or some sort of recreation, some relaxation. I gotta take a take another nap. Let's go on vacation. And we hope that this will fill our soul. But all those things are all those things are great things. Hobbies and take a vacation. And you know, I'm for all of that. But none of that will refresh your soul. There's something more to it. And that's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Like, no, 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 no. I am here wanting you to encounter this refreshment in a very different way. Isaiah 40 and 29 says, he gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Those who, and I underline this in in my notes, those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. It says, wait on the Lord. Encounters with God, time with God is what brings this renewed strength. Jesus doesn't tell us to get a new time management plan. Jesus does not tell us that, hey, let's find this new way for some stress relief in our life. That's not what he says. He says, come to me. And over and over and over in the Bible, it says, if you want to find this, come to me, cry out to me, seek me. I'm here, I'm trying to refresh you in your life. Jesus does not say, you know what, if you want soul refreshment, go to church. I love church, and church for me is an outflow of what God has done in, in my life. I love, it doesn't say go to another Bible study. It doesn't say go to a group. And all those things are helpful to life and learning and growing and I support all of them and I'm a part of things like that regularly in my life and you should be as well. But at the end of the day, it's the come to Jesus moments regularly, daily in your life that are going to bring the refreshment to your soul. The answer to refreshment in your soul, it's not another this, this, this or this. It's found in a person and it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we begin to kind of shift in this series to say, hold on a second, let me evaluate. How am I really doing in this area of my life in these regular connections with God? How does this play out in our everyday life in these encounters with him? It's finding those quiet moments to experience him. And you were a part of this series, some of you, Uh, that we just finished. It was called Vending Machine Jesus. And if you were here, I was talking about, hey, Jesus is not a vending machine. There's actually some truths about prayer and I shared them with you. And one of the points I shared was that, hey, you better find regular quiet times to encounter God. And I was talking about that in prayer. And you know what? You can find quiet times and pray. You can find quiet times and read your Bible. And these are great things. But sometimes there's a power of just quiet time of meditation, encountering God in quiet moments, just this thought time where you're immersing yourself in the thoughts of God, trying to experience him in a quiet setting. It's in those moments that a strengthening and a refreshing can come. Yes, through prayer and as you read God's word, the refreshment as well takes place, but you've got to get yourself in that position of those quiet times. You see, in your life, you're battling three different kinds of thought life. You've got your thoughts and your ways, you've got God's thoughts and his ways, and then you've got Satan's thoughts and his ways. And in your life, you've gotta sort through all three of those. Now here's the thing. When you operate just on your thinking, you live a life of desperation. When you operate in Satan's way of thinking, you live a life of temptation. But when you live a life in the way of God's thinking, you encounter inspiration. And you want inspiration. And you're not going to find that until you're immersing yourself in the thoughts of God. Very practically, these are the steps we need to take. And there are people here, you know what, you could be here 30, 30 years as a Christian. You could be a Christian a long time. And you have lost this encounter of this art of quiet with God. You've just missed it. It's kind of slowly disappeared in your life. All of us, whether you're a new believer or a longtime believer, we need this reminder from Jesus that if you're feeling a little bit empty, that's the warning light on the dashboard that says, more time with Jesus. Going back to our prayer series, we looked at a text that was from the Sermon on the Mount and, and where Jesus was spending time talking about prayer. And there was one verse we looked at that I want to kind of share with you in a, from another translation that I think is so appropriate for what we're talking about here. It says this Jesus says, Here's what you do find a quiet and secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. What's he saying there? He's saying, It's like this is not about putting on a show. This is not about you, you know, doing some sort of encounter with God where you can grade yourself. Ooh, that was a 9.2. That's pretty good. No, none of that. It's just one on one authentic encounters with God. He says, go to that secluded place. Just be there as simply, simply and honest as you can before God. Just be there, just imagine what it's like to just immerse in a very natural flow. He says, and the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. There's a book of the Bible. It's all about just sort of a restoration of your soul for joy. I'd encourage you to, to read it as we go through this journey together. It's the book of Philippians and read a chapter a week if you want and just kind of go through this with us. But Philippians is a book of joy restoration added on to some of the texts that we're talking about here today in our time together. Just that restorative nature of the soul through these one-on-one encounters with him. Why don't we do this more often? Well, the reason we don't simply, the reason we don't do this more often It's because we decide to take control. I'll fix it. I know there's a remedy to this brokenness that I'm feeling. I know how to handle it. And instead of going to Jesus, we just go to all kinds of other things. But in Romans 8, 15, it says, the spirit that God has given you Does not make you slaves, cause you to be afraid. What's he saying there? He's like, this is not some sort of thing that God's inviting you in. Okay, so it's sort of a beat down moment where you just feel even further empty. In fact, it's the opposite. What does a father think when his children comes running into his arms? The father loves that. The father rejoices. The father is so happy to love on his children when the children come into the father's arms. And when you decide to run into the father's arms, our heavenly father is happy and he wants to, to say, okay, I'm so glad you're here. It says this, and by the spirit's power, look, we cry, it's a, it says by the spirit's power, we cry out to God saying, father, father, this spirit causes you to sense that you are God's Children, it says, I'm God's child, and as the father to the child, in that loving embrace, I feel refreshment. We come to Jesus, that's the first step. Regularly, consistently encountering Him. Here's the next thing in your notes you've got to decide to give up control. That second verb is give, and it's give up control. And this is, as I just mentioned a part of the problem. I'm gonna control the situation. I'm gonna have to hold it all together. I gotta be the one. If it's gonna be, it's gonna be done by me. I've got to be large and in charge. And here's the thing, the greater your need to control life, the more stressed you're going to get in life. I have a news flash for some of you here today. Our Heavenly Father is in control. He's spinning the planets right now. He's doing a really great job. Great news, if you're trying to be the controller of the universe today, you have the freedom right now to resign that position as general manager of the universe. Go ahead, just resign it today. You don't have to do it. God's already in charge. But instead, you know what? We just keep holding on. Keep holding on control. And I know there's somebody here right now who's like, well, (laughs) I'm not a control person. I'm married to one, but I'm not a control person. I'm gonna tell you right now, everybody deals with control, every one of us. Some people are more obvious about it, and some people are more sneaky about it. But all of us, I've pastored long enough to know all of us, including myself, we deal with control. And it's that control... Let's see, again, you, gotta, you got the light flashing on the dashboard right now, stressed, I'm empty, I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed, I don't know how I'm going to move forward. That warning light is saying, come to Jesus and relinquish that control you've been holding on to. Here's what it says in Matthew 11:29 in this relinquishing of control. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now, we need to understand what this means, and I've shared it before here at the church, uh, but because I've never unpacked this text this way, uh, I want to come back and just kind of circle back and make sure we understand what this yoke means, because understanding this is so key. For example, we know that when it says yoke, we're not talking about an egg or the yellow part of an egg. We're talking about something very different. We're talking about a piece of equipment that is used to kind of harness farm animals, and so there's an image of what it looks like here on the screen, it's kind of crafted so that now not one animal is pulling a load behind them, but two animals connected or more, two animals or more connected together to pull this load that's behind them. Uh, obviously, if you have one animal pulling a load, all right, that's gonna be pretty heavy, but now if we have two, They're kind of splitting kind of the heaviness of of that load. And so the idea of this yoke is to bring them together, keep them connected, so they're able to work at pulling this load together. When Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, I know some people could hear that and go, Oh, great, there's something else I got to carry now. Jesus wants something else, he wants me to carry. It's really kind of the opposite when you understand the principle of this type of yoke that Jesus is talking about. In fact, this type of yoke can be split up into really two different words to help you understand what Jesus is trying to get us to understand here. The first word is partnership. It's a symbol of partnership. What Jesus is saying here is like, you were never meant to carry all this on your own. You are never meant to carry all the stress, the burdens, the difficulties, the pressures, the worries, team up with me. And God's reminder to you and I is that there's not a heavy load that's too heavy for him to handle. There's not anything going on in your life that he can't come alongside and help you with. Uh, You need to know this. God has a stronger back than you. He does. He's not tired right now. In fact, did you know God's never getting tired of helping you out? If you turn to him and Pull alongside him and in, invite him in to, to your life. Again, you you may be a believer. You you may be a longtime believer. Well, you'd say there's some exhaustion. There's some things that think make me feel like I'm running on empty. And the reminder here is that whatever's happening in your life right now, you're hooking on. You're connecting to things that are not of the Lord, they're not of, of that connectivity with him. There's something else you're connected to, there's something else maybe you're just trying to do on your own, but you need to begin to team up more and more with him. Matthew 11 and 30, another translation says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden, it goes on and says, my burden is, is light. He's saying that you know, the things you're carrying around are really really heavy and weighted down, but when you team up with me, I'll make things light. So it's a symbol of partnership, but that yoke is also a symbol of control. When you consider this piece that's being made for these farm animals, something happens when they're connected together. It's not just the lighter weight and the partnership carrying them. There's something else happening. That animal, when it's on its own, if he's left on his own, can go at a pace that maybe he wants to go, could go to a place where maybe he wants to go, go could go, it, it kind of run off into the ditch if it wants to run off into the ditch. But now when you're connected in partnership with another animal, something happens here. Now that other animal cannot go at its own pace. It has to match the pace of the one that it's connected to. It can't go to its own place because it's connected to this other animal. It can't go at the speed that's crazy because it has to now go in tandem very gently with the other animal that it's connected to. When you and I relinquish this control and connect to our heavenly father, what God does for you and I as we take this yoke on us is God brings us to a place where he says, I know you've been running at this breakneck speed of pace in life, I'm going to slow you down a little bit. I know you've been making decisions in your life to go in directions where you want to go, choices you want to make, I'm going to have you partner with me and I'm going to lead you into a whole different place in life that partnering with God and relinquishing control brings us to a place where we're now having to walk and journey with him rather than going on our own by ourselves. Psalm 55 verse 2. Pile your troubles on God's shoulders and he'll carry your load and help you out. Relinquishing that control then is a guidance mechanism. I put in your note. When I your notes, when I decide to be yoked with Jesus Christ, now we, he and I, were moving together in the same direction, and the same pace. You wanna talk about something that begins to fill the tank of your life and your soul? When you start moving at the pace of Jesus and in the direction of Jesus, things begin to transform. Things begin to develop in your life. You know, if you're not trying to do this by yourself, There's probably somebody here, you're yoked and connected, but it's to something potentially unhealthy in your life. In fact, I would submit to you that very likely most everybody in this room is yoked to things right now that are not of the Lord. In fact, if we did a little x-ray of what's really going on in the lives of Christians, Christians in America today, uh, it's very easy for this to happen, is it's potentially dozens of things you are yoked to that are leading you astray in unhealthy living, some of you, you've yoked your life to money. Some of you have yoked your life to careers. Some of you have yoked your life to uh, your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Some of you have yoked your life to your own ego and your own personal desires. You want to talk about a burdened way, burdened way to live when it's all about you. Some of you have hooked on to all these unhealthy things in your life and they're all taking you at different speeds, different places, different timing and we have to be willing to take those off one at a time and say, God, I wanna be more connected to you. And then I love what it says in Matthew 11, 30 in the NLT translation, it says this, for my yoke fits perfectly. In the Greek, this is really how it translates. It translates into this word of it fits you perfectly when God puts it on. This is important. Okay, let's go back to the life of Jesus. Some of you know that Jesus was a carpenter. And for the first 30 years, that's kind of what he was raised up in. That's what he did, and that's what his dad did. They were carpenters. Now, before you go to thinking, and maybe some of you do, maybe most of you don't, but if you think like me, I hear the word carpenter, I'm like, oh, okay, so like Jesus remodeled kitchens and bathrooms and built homes. No, (laughs) What, what he would have done during that time is one of the things he would have been involved in with his father would have been crafting farm equipment things. And so very likely, you would have found that Jesus would have been a part of crafting something like a yoke for, for these animals. He's referencing it right here in a, in a way to relate to you and I. So he would have shaped that and crafted it for other animals as people came to their place of, let's say, place of business. Now, what it says here in the text is that it was made for you and I to fit perfectly and what Jesus would have done with the animals that he would have been making these yokes for, he would have made sure they fit on them perfectly. They would have measured. They would have taken stock and like, oh, how's the size of this animal? Because if they don't get the yoke right, it could dig into the skin of the animal. It could leave blisters. It could cause problems. It could cause the animals to not behave appropriately. So they had to craft this yoke To measure and to make and fit on the animals exactly the way it needs to happen. And what Jesus is reminding you and I here is when He fashions a yoke connected with Him, He does it perfectly. He knows how you were made, He knows all the things He's wired you to be, He knows exactly how the designs for your life, the plans for your life, and when you connect with Him, He fits it perfectly. It's a beautiful portrait of custom fit, unique identity in the way God has made you and I. And a beautiful exchange takes place. My worries, my stress, the things that are unhealthy in my life, Lord, I release them to you, God, and now you start infusing my life with something lighter and easier to live with as I go forward. I love what it says in a book from Tom Hansel. He wrote this book. He said in a book called, When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. And he said this. So many people have succumbed in life to busyness, unhappiness, tightness, boredom. So many people suffer from a nagging sense of guilt that no matter how much they do, it's never quite enough. We want words like more time, wonder, joy, rest, freedom. We want those words, but it feels like today they've become faded replicas of what Jesus Christ taught. He said, instead today, time has become a tyrant instead of a friend. Joy has become something, well, we'll do that later. Play is something that the children just do at this point. Creativity seems unattainable and only available for high-quality artists or poets. Instead of the essence of our lives being one that is consistently creative. And he says, and wonder? (laughs) Wonder seems to be just the name of a bread now. (laughs) Overloaded empty, exhausted? Folks, the answer to this, it's not a trip to Tahiti. It's not seven days on the beach. It's something more than that. It's a refreshment of the soul. You can go away for a seven-day trip and lay on the white sands of the beach, but if you come back to the same yokes to the same brokenness, you're gonna always feel the sense of fatigue. There's gotta be a refreshment of the soul. And here's the last thing I put in your notes. You gotta learn to trust. What are we trusting? We're trusting that God's ways, Jesus' ways are the better ways. And we've gotta decide to say, I want that now in my life. I want that. And so God, I'm gonna live a life where I wanna know more and more how you live. Now, Jesus is great, for this in our lives, to understand how to live differently with, with, with less stress because, well, Jesus lived a life that modeled peace and calm. Uh, Jesus, in the way he lived his life, lived the most balanced and healthy life anybody has ever seen. Now, he was God, so of course, Right? But in his also hundred percent God, hundred percent man, he went through some of the same battles we go through, and yet he models this for you and I over and over again. But I want to remind you, this thing that we're talking about here today, it is a process. Learning to follow Jesus, learning to spend more time with Him, learning to relinquish control. Uh, It's not gonna. I mentioned earlier, it won't happen at the beach, and it's not gonna happen through a sermon today throughout this series. It's not gonna be the end all and everything's gonna be perfect at the end of this series, not at all. It is a process. See, uh, many of us took years to get ourselves in the mess we're in. And it's gonna take quite some time to get out of that. Now, with God's strength, he can expedite things. He really can. But it still takes time. And I lived this out. And I went through some very, very unhealthy times of stress in my life, and it took years to really get out of that in time. But I had spent years getting myself in that position. But it's these continual repetitions, like I we're talking about here today, over a long period of time that God begins to bring that restoration to your soul. That's why I love our ministry we have here, Celebrate Recovery. Uh, They meet right here on Monday nights. It's free. You don't have to sign up. Just show up. It's at 7 o'clock in the cafe. And they get people on a journey, not a one-day fix event, but a journey of repetition, dealing with their habits, dealing with their struggles, dealing with the way they think, the things that they're yoked to that are unhealthy. And over long periods of time, repetition, they begin to develop a change in the life of the way somebody has been living. And maybe there's some changes you want to make. CR our Celebrate Recovery is a great place to start. So join us tomorrow right here in in the cafe, it's one of the helpers that we have in groups. I don't go to groups because it's going to be the end all fixer, it's just one other thing that adds to this refreshment time in my life, and my soul, just connecting in God's word, studying God's word, and so I love being in groups as well. I don't do it to add another thing to my calendar, it's a part of this refreshment journey. Did you know that our groups are in registration time right now? Yeah, I know several groups last week filled up already. Uh, these are groups that meet throughout the week. All right, and so these groups study the Bible in smaller settings at people's homes. Bunches of groups that are gonna meet this summer. We got a catalog for those if you wanna see what groups are meeting. They're at the Connect table on your way out today down the hall on the left-hand side. You can go visit the folks at the Connect table and say, hey, I'm interested in groups. By the way, anything you need to know about our church, Information about things going on is all available at the Connect Table, so you can always go see them. And then, of course, uh, we can go online and see the groups as well. I hope you'll get involved and get plugged into one of our groups that are about to start. Here's what Jesus says, though, if you're modeling Him, and it was found in the text we just looked at Jesus says, Learn from me, for I am gentle and what? Humble. Those two words, gentle and humble, is where we need to find ourselves in this restoration of our soul. Gentle and humble. The two greatest damaging things that cause so much chaos in our lives are really the opposite of gentle and humble. Uh, in other words, here's a word that we've embraced. Instead of gentle and humble, we've embraced in- aggression. I can't wait any longer. The early bird gets the worm. I got to take care of it now. I got to buy that now. Have that now. Do this now. The aggression of life in our decision making puts us in position of unhealthy living. When we take a gentle approach to life with that yoke of Jesus Christ, we're not making these decisions and choices in life on a whim, and a moment, spur of the moment, finding ourselves paying a price for something we shouldn't be paying for. We take time and pauses, time with God to hear his voice and to make sure we're making healthy, right decisions in our life. Jesus says, find gentleness, set the aggression down and decide to start flowing more gently with him. And it's not just aggression, it's arrogance it's an arrogance that says I don't need God in my life I can handle things on my own I don't need anybody coming alongside me I'll control everything I'll do everything the way that I want at the end of the day you playing God is a very empty place I want to give some of you permission today (laughs) you are not the savior of the world And you are not meant to be here to save other people all the time. And some of you are trying so hard to fix things, handle things, take care of all these people that you're trying to fix and make them just how you want them to be. And yes, we pray and we invest, but at the end of the day, we give up control to God. We have to have that desire to set down the aggression, to set down the arrogance, and walk gently and humbly with Him. And so now, I want to Take a moment. To just pray over you. Pray with you. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I, I stand before our church as somebody who's gone through this many times over. I've seen the warning lights flashing, and God, you've been teaching me, taught me to keep turning to you and turning. And I've been learning these ways. It didn't happen overnight, but Lord, you're continuing to show me. And I pray that you. Today would be the beginning of a journey for even a longtime believer who's got some struggles going on and their heart just feels empty, their soul feels empty that begin this journey of regular connectivity, taking up that yoke and relinquishing control. Today's just a beginning of that journey. And God, I, I don't wanna do this in my own arrogance, and my own aggression. God, I wanna start gently and humbly walking with you your plan for my life. Maybe there's somebody that's new here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You're visiting with us today or maybe you've been around here a while. You feel this kind of burning emptiness, and chaos going on in your life and you wonder where the answers are to the restoration of your soul. God, how does this change? How does this get any different? How do I live different? Jesus said, come to me. You can have that first encounter with him right now where you're seated. says, God, I come to you. The gift of Jesus Christ is real. People, billions of people throughout the last 2,000 years are finding refreshment for their soul through the gift of Jesus Christ. And you can begin that journey today. It starts by receiving the forgiveness of sin through the gift of Jesus. Salvation comes to those who believe and trust God's one and only son that he died on the cross so that your sin could be forgiven. And through that forgiveness, you're connected now to the heavenly father. Would you just receive that forgiveness right where you're at? Say, God, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And now, God, I'm ready to surrender and live a life for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.